We're going to kick Todd off here in a moment. Hey, welcome. This is the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast, and I'm glad you're here. How's everything going? Is it going well? Because it's pretty crazy here. That's all I'm going to say. Pretty crazy, 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 but kind of the good kind of crazy. Uh, You know, everything's kind of hanging out. For us, middle of summer, so it's the very best time ever in the whole world, period. No no arguments. Everything's grand. Uh, the weather's perfect. You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't really have a lot of things to complain about. That's for sure. And I hope the same for you. I hope you're well. And those around you whom you know and love are also just as well. And that life is about as stress-free as it can possibly be. That's what I hope for you. Is that possible? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it's totally possible. So let's jump into the podcast because um, this can be interesting. So Long story, and I'll tell it to you now, but I'm not going to tell it as long as I should, probably. But it's a long story. Um, the The community of human and organizational learning meeting was recently held, and I did not go. But it's not for not trying to go. I did not go because I tried really hard to go. I mean, I did everything in my power to go. But unfortunately, the airline was determined to make sure I didn't make it. And so my flight got super delayed. And then it became really clear that I was not going to make my connection, which meant that was going to be a problem for me to give the keynote speech, which meant that I would have to move the keynote speech to the next day and I'd have to fly anyway. But then they ended up canceling the flight and I didn't make it. So long story short, I sat in the airport for three and a half hours waiting for a plane that I never, ever got into to – Somehow harangue an Uber back home. It was kind of an expensive day for nothing. A lot of money spent on Uber for nothing. Let's just go with that, right? And uh, and then I virtually called it in. Now, that always sounds bad. If you say virtually called it in, it means I gave them the full show, baby. But I had to do it virtually. And so that became a really interesting opportunity. And that's kind of where the origin of this podcast And unfortunately, the next podcast, and even more unfortunately, the next pod. Yes, this is an introduction to a three-part podcast. You can get away with that in the summer. But also, my speech was so dang long. Uh, They they gave me a big – I had a ton of time to to fill or kill, depending on on who you are in this uh, equation. So I thought – I really actually thought this was – be a pretty nice little speech to share with you guys. If you didn't get to go to the conference, um, this is a great opportunity to hear at least what I had to say because I kind of had a message this year. You know, it's 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 become really obvious to me as the work we do becomes more and more mainstream, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. And I talk about this a bunch. It's become really obvious to me that we're, we're starting to have a little bit of drift, that we want to go for the – the quick fix. We always want to go for the quick fix. That's what human beings love that. We, we, we adore that. And unfortunately, what happens is in our zeal to go to the quick fix, we oftentimes forget the fundamental part of the equation. And so what I wanted to do was reinforce the importance of talking about the fundamentals. That, that's really what I wanted to talk about. And so that's the speech I ended up giving. 
And it went okay. I mean, I could think it was fine. I, it's, it's hard to tell when you do those virtual presentations like that what they're like because you're not in the room. And technology, I don't know why they can't do this, but technology won't allow them to show me what it looks like in the room. So I have no idea. But, you know, people could be like laying on the table vomiting of boredom. Uh, and they might have been. I don't know. I wasn't there. But you just kind of boldly march on and try to be as interesting, as clever, as witty, and as humorous as you can possibly be. I mean, you know, within limits. And then you give your speech. And so that's what I did. It looked like a great – I'm sorry I missed it because it looked like a great conference. The The old band got together. That is kind of the place where the old band gets together. Um, but there were lots of exciting new people as well. And, uh, and Charles Major told me that 50% of that conference were first-timers, which is amazing to me. Like good amazing. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's good amazing because that's great. It also makes me think, why is there not better retention, which is kind of the negative side of that. But we can have that discussion later as we progress through. Nonetheless, and I mean nonetheless, let's listen to this presentation and see what you think. I'm really curious. This is part one. There's going to be a part two, which you'll see it sort of divides itself nicely into three parts. And then part three is the big exciting conclusion. That's where you find out who did it. So you don't want to miss that for sure. But it's a, it's a, it's an interesting discussion. I actually think you'll find it helpful. I hope so. I mean, if not, then it was a giant waste of time. But we had a fun. I mean, it was not a complete waste of time because we had a good time. But this will give us an opportunity to sort of boldly go into the fundamental discussion a little deeper. Plus, you can kind of hear at least what I'm thinking right now. And, and maybe that'll help you as well. Again, I'm about to go out on a bike ride so I can give you all the lowdown blowdown on the bike ride. If you want to come ride bikes with me, you guys, I think people think I'm joking. I'm serious. Come, come ride bikes. We'll go for a little ride. We'll, we'll take the 10 mile loop and have a great time. I can almost promise you Nothing but a great time. I got yelled at on the 10-mile loop the other day. I find about about one out of every 100 people is aggressive and mean and yells, um, which that's a made-up number. Maybe it's one out of 1,000. It's relatively rare. Let's put it that way. But when it happens, it's always kind of exciting because I think, wow, you're in a giant car yelling at me on a bicycle. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Well, there must be uh, that must be an indicator of other problems in your life somewhere. That's all I'm going to say. So, without any further ado, this is the keynote speech from CHOL that was held in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and this is a little uh, little discussion around how important it is to go back to first principles. So first of all, let me apologize. I tried everything in my power to be there. I sat in the airport for three and a half hours while I watched a gradual drift into cancellation. Thanks. I rehearsed that a long time. Yeah, so it started out with a 30-minute delay, which would have been fine. I had plenty of time. It was going to work fine. Then we went to the elusive 35-minute delay, which I'm not really sure what that means because the airline, I mean, it's five minutes. Then we went to an hour. I started getting worried. Then we went to two hours. I started getting worried. Then we went to three hours. The plane eventually left. I gave up, but it eventually left six hours and 40 minutes late. 
So there you go. I was not going to make it. And I think it's a really interesting study for us, at least, to think about, because all of us sort of share this mutual love for um, airports. I'm sure I'm speaking for you, but let me stop if I need to. Uh, How incredibly brittle that system is. It is, you're basically one errant weird weather event from not going to where you guys are. But you'll have to have fun without me. I'm sad, though, because this is always the great reunion and the chance to get to see lots of people that I've known for years. And even more importantly, the chance to meet everybody new. And so if I've not met you before, let's consider this a real meeting and have some fun with it. I I can't wait to have a little talk with you. I've thought a lot about this presentation. And I should tell you, I wanted to start it with an activity, but that's not going to work out so well. So I'm kind of going to jump into it. But I want to talk a little bit about how important the work you do is. And one of the things I would share with you, because I think it's worth noting, is how the world has changed around us. And there's a lot to be said there. We could talk about ton about changes, and we've talked about it before. But the one I want to sort of focus on now is how interesting these ideas that were once kind of controversial and novel and new have become in the mainstream conversation globally around the way people create resilience and reliability in their organizations. And to a great extent, I want to look right at you. That's me looking right at you. See my eyes? There they are. And say thank you. Because over time and through lots of effort, because change is hard, we've created an environment where this conversation, the conversation we have every day, all day long with people all throughout our organizations, has become normalized. And in fact, I got a comment just yesterday in my three-and-a-half-hour airport wait from a a large company who said, I actually think the way we manage safety is the right way. And I said, great. And they said, and it kind of offends me when I work with companies that don't do it the way we do it. It seems like it's malpractice. And I think that's a really interesting comment. And it's a comment that we can make because that means the ideas we have are becoming more and more mainstream. And that's good, that's valuable, but with it comes some pitfalls, and that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. If we have an opportunity and you can gut through this, I think it's worth it. But I want to start with this idea. So behind me you see this, things that never happen happen all the time. And I want to tell you guys a quick story because I think I can only get away telling this story to you. I probably couldn't tell this story to anybody else and get away with it. But a couple weeks ago, I was flying back from a meeting. I had done some big meeting someplace, and I was flying back to my hometown, back to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I got on the plane, and everything was great, and it was perfect, and I was connecting. And once again, a slow drift to delay, and my plane ended up being really, really late, and I had to fly in. I was supposed to get in at like 7 p.m., And I got in at like 12.30 a.m. the next day. And so that happens. That's a part of the risk. No challenge. No big deal. I had gone out for one quick meeting. I'd left the day before. I spoke that morning. I got on the plane and I flew back. So I wasn't even going to be gone 24 hours. 
I got in my car in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I drove to Santa Fe. It's about an hour. And by the time I got to Santa Fe, it was about 1.30 in the morning. And I pulled into my driveway. The house is dark. The whole city's dark. I mean, pretty much Santa Fe rolls the sidewalks up by about 8.30. And I noticed this weird thing, you guys. When I pulled into my driveway, there was a duffel bag and a roller suitcase parked along the edge of my house. Now, a better person, and you're going to hear me say that several times, probably would have taken note and seen that as a big change. That is a weak signal indicator that something's going on. But it was 1.30 in the morning. I was really tired. I was super delayed, kind of angry, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I thought, I'll just deal with that tomorrow. That clearly is going to be maybe stolen goods or somebody lost something or it fell off a truck. I'll just deal with it. It's going to be fine. It's 1.30 in the morning. It's still there. I'll take care of it the next morning. So I jump out of my car. I go into my house. The door's locked. Everything's fine. I open the door, and I walk in, and I go directly to the comfort chamber. Uh, the same thing you would do after you went on a long trip. And when I went to the restroom, I noticed the toilet paper was gone. Now, I do talk a lot about toilet paper. I know it's kind of a theme I carry. But for some weird reason, that sort of hit my brain as noteworthy. I uh, came out of the restroom. I walked back through the house, and I thought, something seems odd to me. So I turned on a couple lights, and sure enough, you guys, in the guest bedroom in my house, the door was wide open. There was a burglar asleep on my guest bed. And around him on the bed were many different small items that he was clearly prepared to steal and the toilet paper. Well, this is the part where I want to offer things that never happen, happen all the time. And this is the part where I should talk to you lots about identifying weak signal indicators, help you to better predict what's going on within your house or your company or your organization. But instead, I don't know what happened, but the light was on. There was a, a, a person sleeping on top of the covers on the bed with many stolen items around him. Instead, what I should have done was left the house, got in my car, and called the police. But what I did do was say, what are you doing in my house? Which was a very interesting thing to do because it completely startled my burglar. Like, I mean, scared the crap out of him. I mean, he was visibly shook up. And he got up and he jumped to his feet and he grabbed all the stuff around him on the bed. And I said, drop all that stuff. That's not yours. That's mine. And then he ran by me ran out the door, grabbed the roller bag and the duffel bag, and ran out into the street. So then I called the police. And what's interesting is that the police came really quickly because they respond to stuff like that pretty quickly. And they walked through the house. And I noticed something really interesting, that the burglar clearly had been in my house a while and had gone through many things, but didn't really steal anything. In fact, what was stolen was kind of sad. He stole all my deodorants, uh, all my toothpaste, toilet paper. He stole things that I think, sadly, he needed to live. But one thing he did do 
was make some food. He really made himself at home at my place. And he made a bowl of cereal. Now, he used all of the half and half in my refrigerator, which was tragic, and all of the whipping cream, which I don't even know how old that I didn't even know I had whipping cream in the refrigerator, so that was kind of a mystery. And he made cereal in a bowl. The weird thing is the cereal he made wasn't from my house. It was some kind of fancy gluten-free cereal that he brought with him and left the box. So if you need three-quarters of a box of gluten-free cereal, I have it. I mean, come over and I'll give it to you. He clearly ate his food, and then he did something amazing. He put his dirty dishes in the sink. Now, I tell you this story because I think it's a pretty good reflection on me It's a really good reflection on what it's like to be fatigued after you've gone on a trip that goes really wrong and you're super late. And I think it's kind of a nice reflection on my burglar. I mean, at least he was polite enough to put his dirty dishes in the sink. What I think is amazing is that this story illustrates almost perfectly what we talk about every single day. When faced with uncertainty, do we have the capacity to manage what's in front of us? And I'm not especially proud of what I did. I learned, though, that's the key of the entire conference you're attending. And if this happens again, and let's hope it doesn't, but if it does happen again, I fully am prepared this time to go to my car, lock the door, call the police, and respond with a much different way. Oh, how he got in? Well, that's because the back door was unlocked. That's probably a different story for another presentation. But it sort of helps me introduce what I wanted to introduce. And this presentation was sort of set up to deliver to you guys in real life. But this is my new current bio slide. I don't know if you can see it very well behind my shoulder. Let me sort of focus on what's going on there. After the burglar story I just told you, it probably makes pretty good sense that I identify the characters in my bio photo. So this is me. And this is the elephant butt. Try to not confuse them. Because after that story, it seems like they at least could be interchangeable, at least at some level, but they probably aren't. Let's forge ahead and talk about what I want to talk about. So I really want to kick off with sort of three secrets. And I think it's time that we have this three secret discussion because I think this is helpful to where we are on the journey collectively as a community. And one of the things that we've done for years is really help present these ideas as new and novel and help organizations sort of immediately digest early adoption of some changing ideas. But as I said earlier in my introduction, one of the things that's happening is that more and more organizations, more and more organizations around the globe, in fact, organizations that you maybe even attended a conference for last week, it's being really normalized to look at the work we do and talk about it the way we've always talked about it. And I think there are three secret weapons that we have, three secret tools, three secret ways to think about that change that have made the biggest difference for me. And I want to share them with you because I think this sort of sets the stage for how we move forward. First and foremost... I think the biggest secret we have is the ability to understand and start this discussion where the group is in this thinking, not where we are in this thinking. So part of what I would suggest as maybe a critique 
that we can think about and take seriously is the fact that for the most part, we've thought about these ideas for a long, long time. And when we see a a newscast or when we read a story or when we see an event happen in an organization, we immediately jump to probably a different level in our thinking about that event and our ability to learn from that event than probably the rest of the organization does. And that's not a bad thing. That's a normal thing. And so part of our challenge is to understand that we don't start our discussion around organizational learning and improvement at the maturity level we're at now. We have to start that discussion at the beginning. And I always kind of think of it like this. Our job is to attach new knowledge to old knowledge. And the only way we can attach new knowledge to old knowledge is to really understand and start where the group is, not where we are, but where the group is. And to do that, we have to sort of test and analyze and have conversations and understand what that starting place is. But it's incredibly valuable not to jump in immediately into, for instance, a conversation around just culture or psychological safety if we haven't actually done the fundamental discussions around shifting the way we think about and understanding resilience, reliability, safety, performance, excellence, all the things we manage. And so maybe one of the most powerful secrets I can share with you is the secret that says you're going to have to start at the beginning and it's boring for you because you've already had those ideas, you're going to have to give the same presentation and tell the same story many times for many, many years because everybody that goes on this journey with us has to start at the beginning of the journey and then move to a level where we can have the more advanced discussions. That's key. And it's a big lesson for us. You can't start at the end and hope they'll catch up. Your job is to provide ways for them to be a part of the journey with you. And that makes a big difference. And that secret is really, really powerful. That's secret one. Secret two says the group owns both the problem and therefore the solution. Now, this one, I can't say this enough times because every organization you've ever been a part of, and that's a big assumption I'm making saying this, but every organization you've ever been a part of is sort of secretly hunting for the silver bullet, the magic elixir, the Harry Potter wand that can actually make the problem go away with the least amount of effort, the most amount of efficiency in a clean way that makes everybody, board, leaders, stakeholders, customers, and clients happy. The bottom line is we all know that's not true. It's the argument I've had my entire career around leading data. Everyone wants leading data. I really want leading data. Well, the reason they want leading data is pretty simple. We want to make uncertainty certain. We want to know every time a burglar's in our house sleeping on our guest bed. We'd like to know that before we enter the house. So we should be able to predict that, right? In retrospect, looking at the duffel bag and the suitcase in my driveway, 
There was plenty of data there. And everybody I've told that story to says the same thing to me. Well, if I'd have seen that, I'd have, I'd have reacted. I'd have probably immediately reacted. I'd have been on alert. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't, but maybe you're a better person than I am. The bottom line is that ultimately there is no quick answer. And this really holds true when you think about working with your organization. And all of you guys in this room are so experienced with working within your organization and other organizations that in many ways this conversation is a little bit like preaching to the choir. And yet I would suggest the choir pretty much practices every Wednesday night just to make sure they sound good on Sunday morning, right? That idea that the group owns the problem therefore leads to the necessity in understanding that the group must also own the solution. And so part of our challenge is, is to create a dialogue that helps the group analyze and understand their problem so they can learn from what is going on in order to create a solution for that. And all of that has to happen within a process within the organization. I'll give you an example. It's a good one because most of you in the room today in that fancy ballroom with chandeliers will understand this. A corrective action that is handed down to you that is given as if it's an edict towards creating change is probably not going to be nearly as an effective corrective action as one that you develop within the group that has the problem. When we offer corrective actions from outside in, they're often pretty good ways to fix the wrong thing effectively. But when we create corrective actions from the inside out, what happens is we spend more time learning and that therefore reduces the amount of time that we have in fixing. That's entirely a function, entirely a function of the fact that the group owns the problem, and so logic says they also have to own the solution. And that's really, really, really key. Which takes me to the third secret. And there's only three, so, I mean, don't get too freaked out. This list isn't very long. And that is we can never forget the first principles. And to a great extent, part of the reason I told Charles I would gladly be a part of this meeting and was excitedly going to fly to ORF, which is the best airport abbreviation for Norfolk in the world, was because I wanted to have this conversation. The more I listened to stories about this new way of thinking, the more I'm starting to see some drift into places where I don't understand why it's going. Like a lot of times I'm seeing repackaged BBS programs sold as kind of new view human performance programs, and they aren't. Now, I don't mean that to sound offensive, and I hope I didn't make anyone angry, but one of the things that's missing is something that's fundamental to the engineers, researchers, scientists in your organization, and that's the power in understanding first principles. Now, first principles, we'll define them in a moment. But first principles really say, what is the basic truth that we're shifting the organization to understand? And how is that basic truth, that 
basic assumption, that basic piece of information? How's it supported and understood? And where did it come from? And what's interesting is whenever you're faced with a challenge and you don't really know the answer, but it feels like there must be a solution to this, what science will tell you, and there are many of you in the room who represent science, what science will tell you is you always go back to the first principles. Understand the problem better, and therefore you'll create much more effective solutions. Now, that belief in first principles is a really powerful part of what I want to talk to you about. And then there's one more bonus one, because I told you there's only three secrets, so this isn't really a secret. This is the promise. And the bonus promise I want you to think about is pretty simple. I think our biggest challenge now is that we have to stop having conversations that make us dumber. And I'm not sure dumber is a word. I mean, I, I probably should say stop having conversations that make us less smart. But dumber's got a little more impact. And that challenge is really an important challenge. Because to a great extent, lots of the conversations that we've had in our world have really spent time dumbing problems down, dumbing the nuance down, dumbing the context down. And part of that challenge is that if we have conversations that make us dumber, the outcome is that we become dumb. In fact, what I want to suggest is we want to have conversations that actually move us towards improvement. And so our default position, no matter what happens, is that we get better. Our job is to help our organizations improve. So that's part one. Part two next week and part three the week after. I'm curious to see what you think. So far, so good. Are you happy so far, so good? I think you'll see it goes in a very interesting direction from here. So hold on to your hats and let's see what happens. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's important. Be well. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.